Okay, um, where am I here? Let me see. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Op-Ed Friday. I'm here with my partner and co-host, Barbara Allen. And as you can guess from that beginning clip, uh, you know what we're going to be covering today on Op-Ed Friday. We like to cover the most ridiculous news story of the week. And we also uh, spread in some uh, positivity there as well at the end of the show. So uh, this week we're going to be covering um, President Biden's first press conference. Uh, He actually it's historic. No one has waited. No president has ever waited this long to answer questions for the public. And he gave us a little heads up. He told us 10 days ago. Yeah, he needed 10 days, it seems, to prep uh, for this press conference. But Nonetheless, he did have it yesterday, and there is quite a bit of mixed reviews. Uh, actually, I don't know. I, I haven't really seen too many positive reviews. Have you, Barb? It depends on where you're looking. Of course, CNN and those platforms are spouting what an amazing job he did, and he answered tough questions. And other platforms are calling him out for staggering through his words, stumbling through his thought, losing his train of thought, reading from note cards with, I guess, pictures of the reporters yeah, so he'd know who book. to call on. Uh, so it really depends on who you're listening to and what you're looking at. So, I mean, as always, I always go on a couple different sites because I'm interested to see what all sides sure. are saying or get a look at it. And it's like two different press conferences. Shocking. Like, yeah. I know. You couldn't couldn't see that one coming. Yeah. And And of course, right. This is our op-ed, so we're going to be giving people our opinion on the matter because, you know, we do, this is a conservative-leaning podcast. It's who we are. We're not going to hide the fact, uh, you know, or shy away from who we are and what our beliefs are. But with that being said, we do welcome open conversation and debate. So if you thought that was a drop-dead, awesome press conference yesterday that was full of value and insight from a president who is on top of his game, then we welcome that argument. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to see your comments on that. Uh, but from where we were sitting and where I was sitting looking at this press conference, all it did was really reaffirm all of my doubts and concerns about this presidency and about this administration. And not to mention then seeing how it was portrayed on the predicted platforms. Everybody portrayed it the same way they're going to. So everybody is still following the roles that they were given. The cast is still reading from the same script. Nothing has changed. Yeah. It's just the different, it's like a different series and a different episode in a series. Yeah. I mean, Biden was apparently seen wandering around before the press conference. And when somebody said to him, hey, are you ready for the press conference? He's like, huh? Like, what press conference? <laughs> somebody finally told him and pointed him towards the tape mark where he's supposed to stand on the floor and kind of nudged him out to the stage and and he began yeah i mean that's concerning in and of itself and uh i would also say something i also saw was this is kind of odd as well um a pair of washington post writers had a curious message ahead of this press conference 
uh, saying the, the media better watch themselves. Uh, so in other words, you know, be careful with the questions that you ask. Biden has already set a modern record by waiting more than two months. And now, you know, they're limiting limiting what kind of questions he should face. Yeah. And the conference itself was so polar opposite from Trump's conferences where they had you know, a bunch of people in there screaming at him nonstop, talking over Kaylee McEnany or, or Trump, talking right over President Trump for just disregarding him. And screaming one thing after another, after another, another. This press conference, everybody sat obedient. I went through eight years of Catholic school, by the way, with the nuns telling you to sit silently, don't talk, don't look, don't do anything. That's what it was. Everybody sitting obediently in their seats. Not a sound, not a whisper, not a peep from one person to another, just politely and obediently waiting till their name is called yeah. to ask their pre-programmed questions. It was so yeah, let's, unnatural. I mean, if we dial back six months and we remember eight months, nine months, 12 months, and remember the press conferences that Biden gave and how vicious and Trump tough gave. Trump gave, how vicious and, uh, and attack driven a lot of those questions were. And here we are, we're faced with a huge growing border crisis, you know, as much as this was a test for President Joe Biden with the press conference, it should have been more of a test for the press corps on whether they were actually going to hold him accountable and ask him serious, tough, challenging questions. I heard a couple of people pushing him on that. And I don't know who was who. I didn't pay attention to who's from what outlet asking him. But, you know, the one reporter did say that she met that she went there and she saw the nine year old boy who came over with the 10 year old boy on the road. They walked across the desert on their own and what is Biden going to do to stop things like that? And another one, another woman asked him and really I'm going to say for this kind of media, she was, she would be considered pressing the point. She wanted to know if Biden approved of the images that were came, coming out from Project Veritas of the facilities, if he thought that those were acceptable and he kind of laughed, he's like, come on, man, is that a real question? Of course I don't find them acceptable. And then she said, so we got to see that one facility. When are we going to get to see the other facilities, the ones that Project Veritas showed that had the people crammed in there on the floor that are in these bad conditions? When are you going to let the media see? Aren't you concerned about transparency? And he just came right out and said that they're, he'll let them, he'll let media have access to those when they have a, a chance to be cleaned up. When so he's not going to let anybody see how they are right well, now at this moment. He's going to, and he said it. He repeated it a couple of times. We're going to let you see it. We'll let you in when we have a chance to put some things to work. And she said, do you know what timeline that is, when that'll be? He said, no, I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll let you in when it looks good for yes, us. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's what he said straight up. So he's not even, I mean, to his credit, at least he's not lying about stuff. He's just coming right out and saying, yeah, we'll let you in when we let you in. You know, So he's not saying we'll let you in and then not letting them in. He's just straight up saying, no, you can't get in now. Give us a minute to clean this up. And then and then you can come in. And that's how he kind of went the whole press conference yeah. when he talked on issue on issue. He just came right out and said things that would just sort of drop your job. Yeah. Well, Lindsey Graham, yeah. um, basically Senator Lindsey Graham basically came out and said that the press conference was hard to watch and accused Biden of spreading misinformation on immigration, which I, you know, I tend to agree with. And uh, right from Twitter, with all due respect, this press conference is hard to watch. This the misinformation being given by President Biden on immigration is stunning. It's clear he does not have the situational awareness. He needs to understand what is going on at the border or how to fix it. And uh, that point couldn't be any more true since he tapped Kamala Harris Kamala. <laughs> to fix the border situation. So 
you know, it's just really interesting what, what's going on. But he did he did start off with some positive news um, in terms of coronavirus and the vaccine. He announced 200 million uh, vaccine shot goal uh, by the end of the first 100 days of his presidency. I, I guess we're probably maybe, I don't know, were we halfway into that? Yeah, they, and they hit over 100 million, I think, or said they got 75 million now and they'll hit 100 million or something like that. But yeah, his goal is to have is 200 million. Yeah. And, but, you know, that that led that led him to talk about the stimulus package and he talked about, you know, the increase uh, with schools opening and the money that's going to these schools. But no one asked him the question like, OK, there was money in the stimulus package for schools, but the schools aren't getting that money until 2022. So why is that? And then your CDC, your CDC says it's safe for kids to go back to in-person learning, but you're backing teachers unions like those are the tough questions that people want to hear. Yeah, and they want to get into more things, too. I mean, I didn't really catch much of what he said about the schools and, and the vaccines and all that. I really paid more attention to the filibuster and the border control, you know, the border issues. And even just because some of the things he said, I was like, what the hell did he just say? When Because these young children, the minors, are coming across the border with phone numbers kind of taped to their arms. And so... ICE or Border Patrol or whoever is taking these children into custody will then try to make an effort to call that phone number. But of course, you know, that phone number could be anybody. It could be a trafficker saying that they're that child's mom and all this. So Biden, in an attempt to explain that they weren't just going to release that minor to anybody who answered right. the phone and said, yes, we are. In his attempt to explain that they were going to go through some sort of system of verification, he chose to explain it by saying, you know, like with credit cards, you answer, what's the name of your dog, man? Um, like, so it just came out like he's comparing credit card verification to finding out if, if you're somebody's mom. And it's just the way he said it came out so creepy. What was your dog's name kind of thing? No, I'm being facetious, but not really. Is how he kind of stumbled through it. And it was just so cavalier and just, again, as people would say of Trump and I by the way, didn't disagree that Trump often said things in ways yeah, that no, he could have rephrased yeah, right. much better, right? And I, if anybody ever took the time to have a conversation with me about it, I would straight up say, oh my goodness, I wish he hadn't said this. I wish he hadn't said that. But policies are policies, and I would overlook the way it was spoken. And in Biden's case, I can't even overlook the way he's saying things that irritates the crap out of me because still his point is so maddening. that he's saying, you can't say that that the borders are open, like 72% of the people who are coming in and being caught are being sent back, man. So how can you say that? But the majority of people that are coming through are not being caught. They're just pouring over the border. So you can't say 72% of the people coming over the borders are being sent home when you're not catching the majority of yeah. them. You know, so many people are coming through and not going through that process yeah. and not going through this system. They're just being we, waved right through. So yeah. we just posted a video. So if you want to join our, our Facebook community, our Facebook group, we have a group called the Great American Syndicate. You can join. Uh, we also have a, another membership platform that I want to encourage you to join to at greatamericansyndicate.com. But we posted a video actually on facebook.com forward slash Great American Syndicate, where it shows a video of a tractor trailer full of illegal immigrants, many of them very young, teenagers and younger. And they, you see the coyote heading it all, and there are literally probably dozens, dozens of them coming out of the tractor trailer. The tractor trailer had a name of the shipping company, and so like, what's happening with that? Like, are they tracking down that company? Like, 
we need answers to things like that because I guarantee you none of those people were processed. No, that wasn't even near where people are, you know, getting. Um, yeah, detained. there's just a major. They're not going through any kind of coronavirus, you know, checks in terms of getting tested for the for the for the disease or anything like that. Uh, it's just he's got to take more responsibility for what's happening down there because he was on the campaign trail and he was basically saying to come, come and, on in, and, yeah. and his main excuse was. Uh, oh, it happens every year. We always have these caravans, you know, every year. That's that's why it's so like, they come like this, this time of year because they face less chance of freezing while they're walking when they come this time of year. And oh, no, he had a reason for it. And he blamed Trump. And he said, you know, and I'm not going to. No, he said a- there's a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months. That doesn't right. make any sense. Why would they come from warmer locations? Uh, to cold look- And he said, we're not going to leave a, a child on the bank of the Rio Grande and tell them that they have to fend for themselves, you know, that kind of thing. And then he morphed into, it was the little lines that he threw in between back to the filibuster when he says it's being abused uh, to, he said it's always been abused, but it's being abused now more than ever. And although he, he at first tried to appear as if he wants to work in a bipartisan way, he then came right out and said, if a complete lockdown happens in the Senate, you know, if they can't reach agreement on this, he's going to have to go beyond. I'm going to have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Meaning, and then Saki today said, "Executive that, order." That's what yeah, that Saki yeah. today said we're going to see more executive orders coming down the pike. So, I mean, how many executive orders? The whole part, the whole point of a bipartisan government is so that one side does not always get what it wants. Yes, and that's so. He so what he said is. In a quote, he says, Republicans are going to have to determine if they're going to work together or the way in which they want to proceed is to divide the country, continue politics of division. This is a quote from Joe Biden. So who's being the more divisive person here when you want to just have 51 votes determine whatever it is that you're putting right. up? So then working you know, if, together if you really is going wanna, along with everything that they want. Right. If you want to create true. Does that sound familiar? Right. By the way, does yeah. that sound familiar? Conformity in the name yes. in the name of unity. Right. That's what it is. Right. He wants con- he wants conformity. And if you want true bipartisanship or partisan, you know, bipartisanship, what better way than to say you need 61 votes or 62 votes to pass something? It forces right. the other side to come to the table and negotiate with you so you can have something that's something something that's moderate, something that reflects both sides of the aisle. But when you just do it where, hey, 50 votes, 51 votes passes, whatever it is that you want, that that's that exactly. is partisan. Exactly. And he's he's calling it a relic of the Jim Crow era. And he said we should go back to how it was 120 years ago. Meantime, I say have, vice president, make it 80 votes to pass something right. like let's like really true create true bipartisanship. No matter who's in charge of Not less. We need more. Meantime, his vice president in 2017 joined joined an effort in support of the filibuster. You know, she wrote, she signed her name on a letter to Mitch McConnell encouraging to keep the, the filibuster and talking about how important and powerful it was. That was in 27, 2017. The vice president supported the filibuster. Right. Now, all of a sudden, of course. they have control of the House and the filibuster is no longer good. Right. So, come on, we all know, we all, uh, just... This is you why, have to this kind is of why take people, a minute to look through and dig through and right. see what true colors are. This is why people on both sides of the aisle are tired of politics, tired right. of Washington, that has less than a 15% approval rate. I mean, this is why. Yeah. It's all a bunch of bullshit, really, and it's just getting worse. And then we get into how Biden was bashing the pushback against 
the uh, was it the We the People or For the People Act, right? And he's talking about all these terrible things. <laughs> what did he say? Un-American voting methods that the Republicans are trying to push through. And what what did he list as being un-American? Not being allowed to serve water to people online to vote, online waiting to vote. No voting after 5 p.m. I'm not sure where the Republicans said that polls can't be open after 5 p.m. And they want to restrict absentee ballots. Go figure. They want, you know, identification for absentee ballots. They want to restrict ballot harvesting on the absentee ballots. And those are called un-American, un-American voting. That's all Biden says. But the fact that the, the left seems so obsessed with serving water to people who are waiting in line to vote. So, who's, just- <laughs> so my question, and this is why this is why the election poll center, centers have the rules that they have. Like, who's handing out that water? What shirts are they wearing? Are they wearing Biden shirts? Are they wearing Trump shirts or whatever? So if I went if I went to the line and said, hey, I'm going to hand out a hundred dollar bill to everyone in line. You know, these people need money. Let's hand out. They just they just don't need water. They need money. So right. let's give them a hundred dollar. Well, bill I each. mean, come on. That's oh, and, a little bit who, of a stress. And who are you voting for? You're saying you're going to put a hundred dollar bill on a water bottle? Well, I'm saying, but that's why you can't have people Come interact. on, honey, that's what people... I'm, but I'm taking it to the extreme, yes. Yes, you are. But I'm saying Thank you can't... Saying you, people are in line to vote. People, You can't influence their voting decision by giving I them bottles you. of water or anything. Other, anything. You can't. Like I know. It's water. Like how, They're not in line for seven days. They're not going to be dying of thirst. If they want water, they can bring water with them. Like The less interaction with, with poll workers and yeah. influence, the better. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle, he said. What an idiotic, idiotic freaking line. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim. And you could tell he like practiced that line and of course like, he stood did. there he and he was waiting up. for the bomb. It Ready was the most idiotic, embarrassing thing. I think that was the worst line the whole night. And believe me, there were plenty. But then he went on to say, I mean, this is gigantic. This is what they're trying to do. And it cannot be sustained. Uh, and he just went on and on about the whole Jim Crow and voting and all this. It's just... It's such a smoke screen being deployed, like smoke bombs being deployed, just to take your eye off the focus of the real issues that are happening, which is anybody who took the time to read this For the People Act, I did. I spent about two and a half hours going through it, and I still didn't get through it all, but I found plenty of there to raise both of my once bushier eyebrows, you know, and be like, what the hell are they trying to do to this country? Right. Oh, man. Going back to the, uh, you know, he didn't really address this. No one really asked this question, I don't think. I didn't see it. But the $86 million is going to put illegal immigrants in hotel rooms. I didn't hear a mention of that. Well, we have, you know, American veterans homeless on our own streets. Um, just shows you where this administration is putting their priorities, in, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean... Overall, I would give him two thumbs down on this press conference. And I'm going to say, I'm really disappointed because every time I'm just like that, I'm like that dog that keeps thinking someone's going to pet him and they just keep kicking him instead, right? But I still go back and I wag my tail because I want that person to be nice. I want the president to succeed. I want the president. I want to believe in the president of our country. But the more I see, the less I believe in. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to like him. I, I can't do it. I failed. I don't like it, him. If Kamala lasts one more him. time, Remember? I never, I know, I didn't like that dude. Well, when Barb and I first <laughs> met like six, seven years ago, she, uh, 
don't know, I, we, maybe we started talking about politics. And she's like, "New who I can't stand? Joe Biden. And so I used to text her pictures of Joe Biden, just like little Isn't that memes, sweet? just to get charming, her riled right? up. But, and I didn't even know at the time what it was. I'm like, there's just, I just couldn't stand that guy and put him with Harris and her cackle. And I just, yeah. but you know, I'm trying to overlook my personal distaste for them both and find <clears> something <throat> redeeming about what they're doing for the country. And I, I have not been able to do it. So if somebody has something redeeming, that they're doing for the country, please feel free to message me, Barb, at americansnippets.com. I'd love, <laughs> I'd love it. Please throw me a rope. So it uh, looks like he closed out the, the press conference by basically praising uh, President, uh, is it Z or Xi? I think Z, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Z from, from China, called him a smart guy. I remember someone else used to say, hey, he's a really smart guy. He's a big guy. I like my big, I like big guys. Big, tall guy. Big, big tall guys. Guy. That was Trump. That was always funny right. when he said it. But um you know, he, you know, Trump praised uh, President Xi as well. You know, Biden praised him here, calling him a smart guy, but basically says, you know, that he still plans on holding China accountable. But six months in, three, four months in, whatever it's been, I lose track because he's making me spin around dizziness and going crazy all the time. But there is no, I haven't seen any kind of proof of accountability holding China responsible for the coronavirus, like pushing to get our inspectors in there to really get I mean, to the bottom of I mean, he did know that happening. China wants to be the strongest, <clears throat> toughest country and that they're not going to allow that. Like, there was some sort of awareness. When you listen to CNN, by the way, so we just you know gave our spin on it and our view of this. But if you're on the other side, and I'm not even going to say a Biden supporter. I'm going to say you're an anti-Trumper because I, ha- I have yet to see a true Biden supporter. Again, if you are one and you have redeeming things about Biden you'd like to share with me, barb at americansnippets.com. Bring it. I'd love to have it. But CNN says that Biden, he demonstrated a firm grasp on the wide array of issues confronting his presidency. And he seemed impassioned by topics ranging from voting rights to infrastructure. He was also self-deprecating at points and seemed to genuinely respect the assembled press corps, a sharp break from his predecessor. He respected the press corps who sat there like... Lobbing softballs. Like... Catholic school students used to sit in front of the nuns. That's exactly what came back to me. I did eight years of that. It looked very familiar. The quietness, the stiffness, the absolute authoritarian rule that was in that room. Like nobody was moving, peeping, saying a word. They were waiting till they were called on. And that was it. And as opposed to Trump, where nobody nobody respected him at all. Marking questions as he left the room. So come on, man. Give me a break. Yeah. So, you know, if you watched it yesterday and, you know, you supported. Look, I have Democratic friends who voted for Biden. I have Republican friends who voted for Biden because they just, you know, for whatever reason, they got bought in. They got bought into the hatred of the big orange meanie. Um, But you could not watch yesterday and you cannot watch him week in, week out, you know, falling up the steps of, of of the airplane of Air Force One. All the things that happened, the, the giant pauses, him losing, you know, him not saluting our troops. Harris isn't sub- sub- saluting Literally him forgetting either. what he's saying. Forgetting what he's saying. He's saying. Yeah. And you can't, so you can't watch a press conference like that and see how it's being handled, see his, you know, his rhetoric and how he's talking and speaking and not, and not think that there's concerns or issues with, with him. Like, yeah, like you have to be blind. And the rest of the world is ignorant. watching too. Like, who's really happening? I'm still giving it a year before Kamala takes the reins and Biden is out. And the fact that he said he thinks he's going to run again in 2024 uh, yeah. is just absurd. But what he then snuck in after that when asked if they think 
if he thinks that he'll be running against Trump, he said, I have no idea if there'll even be a Republican Party in 2024. And that to me seems like something and, and a common theme that I'm going to keep an eye on because of all the calls to demolish and burn down the Republican Party and re-educate Republicans and shun them and shame them and literally burn the Republican Party to the ground. Is well, what was said. I would say. And then here you have Biden saying, I have no idea there'll even be a Republican Party. I would say I don't even know if there'll be a, re- a Democratic Party in, in two years because of how far left and extreme they went. It's it's the far left. It's not about being Democrat. It's right. it's like pushing back against the left. Right. Because the left is about socialism. It's about communism. It's about more control. It's about bigger government. Next thing that'll happen is an executive order. And on those guns, things don't belong in this country. This right. is for of and by the people. And this is what our stance is Too in much. American sentence. It's about freedom. It's about limited government. It's about personal responsibility and less government, not more. And that's something that, you know, I mean, Republicans, I'm not saying they haven't grown the government, but, you know, true conservatives, you know, want to give power back to the people. I don't know if I could be called a true conservative. I'm registered independent because I couldn't sign my name on anybody's line. I don't go all in with either party, but it seems now you have to be either or. But on paper, I'm registered independent because I just... I don't trust anybody all the way, yeah. right? I want to see more of a middle of the road approach to probably 90% of the issues that are out there. But, but that, I that can't middle, go middle, middle because the other side is going so left. So right, if I exactly. only pull to right. the middle, then we're still going right. far left. So I have to pull all the way to the right to counterbalance the pull all the way to the left. But so it's, that's not, it's not just myself. the ideology that needs to be in the middle. But like the press needs to come back to the middle and how they treat. They'll never do that. You know. They'll Politics, never do it. You know? They'll never do it. They're too big on themselves and their egos. And so, ger- real journalism is is, uh, is basically dead. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny because everyone was so concerned about Trump being a dictator, but you can only be a dictator if you have the press in your pocket, right? Right. And here, in this instance, obviously Biden was probably had some of these questions in advance. He knew exactly who to pick on and who not to pick on to answer questions because you know his handlers wanted him to get nothing but softballs. Yeah. So I don't know. My The first press conference did nothing to alleviate my concerns. It only heightened them. I'm curious to hear about you. But Dave Brown, please let's end on a little bit of good news. A little bit of good news. Yeah. All right. You want to you want to pivot off of the I want to Biden pivot off press of this conference? And wrap this up with a little well, maybe bit we can talk about the next Biden press conference. It will happen in next six year? months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we didn't share a lot of positive news um, on our on our Facebook page. Or on our platforms this week, there just wasn't, we didn't see a lot of it. I'm not saying that there wasn't a lot of good stuff that happened in the country this week. There's a lot of heaviness and but, sadness but, in the country. Yeah, but when you have mass shootings and you have, you know, the press conference and people are, and then Biden tripping up Air Force One, like that just takes all the air out of a positive balloon, I guess you could say. And, and look, bad, like, Negative news. Get to the bad, good point, David news. Brown. Stop talking about so, the fact that there's so much bad news. And well, just that's the, the point. Good, like, good we news. need to, you know, I wish I could find more because, you know, I think positive news, news stories need to be I shared more. I didn't, it'd be, it'd be I didn't nice take if, the time to do if, if America focused more on the positive and less on the negative. There is plenty of good news out know? there. So anyway, who doesn't love bald, bald eagles? It's a true representation, I think, of everything America represents. Strength, freedom, independence. And bald bald. We have bald eagles here in our home state of New York, uh, in the upper uh, Hudson Valley area. They're they're literally everywhere. Barbara and I do, do kayaks. We go to watch them. It's just they're just a majestic creature. And the good news is that 
one time at one time they were an endangered species, uh, but now they are actually thriving across the country. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service said in a new report that the population of bald eagles has quadrupled in size since 2009. Over 316,000 bald eagles and more than 71,000 nesting pairs uh, are present in the lower 48 states. Uh, and that was uh, as of last year uh, during 2019's breeding season. So I think that's super cool. That is super cool. That's super Thank cool. You. That's it. That's super cool. I have one more little thing of good news and a All positive right. moment. Nice. If you remember, uh, you can look back at American Snippets. I forget what episode it is. We interviewed our friend Jeremy Harrell. He's in Kentucky. He is a veteran himself, and he's doing extraordinary things to give back and support other veterans. And he has an organization he calls Veterans Clubs, and they have just completed a tiny home community that is up and running. And the very first veteran was welcomed into, into his home. So this was a homeless veteran who was given a home, the first home in the veterans community, a veterans village, has been opened up. Josh Keith, who served in the Army, was traveling around Louisiana, Indianapolis. He couldn't find a place to stay. But now, thanks to Jeremy Harrell and the Veterans Club, he has his very own tiny home. And imagine the life-changing moment that is for him. I love seeing that. It's especially powerful for me to see veterans come out of service and continue to serve in their own way. Hats off to all of you doing so. And keep an eye out in our Great American Syndicate. We are now going to start a separate uh, section where we list a ton of veterans resources like Jeremy's and like others were constantly getting messaged about them. So greatamericansyndicate.com. You want to be a part of change and movement in this, in this country, part of that very, very, very small membership investment you're making is going to be donated back each month to organizations like Jeremy's and helping veterans like this one find a new home. So that's part of what we're doing. I'd love to hear what you're doing and we'd love to get you involved in what we're doing as well. Check us out. American snippets. Com, but our Great American Syndicate is the community that we are launching. We have just launched, and it's really powerful, but we need more people like you to hop in and be a part of it with us. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate you uh, being here. Make sure you join us every Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays here on the American Snippets podcast. Please share this podcast with a friend. Let people know what we're doing here. And if you have a moment, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you really are. Take care.